Listen, buddy, if you're looking for the Diet Frozen Yogurt Bar, it went out of business last summer. Actually, I'm looking for a Batman number 14. Comics Podcast. I'm your host, the caffeinated Clinton Robinson, and this is our Easter episode, most likely releasing a few days early. This time, I'm journeying back into the golden age of comics. Today's comic is Fawcett's Funny Animals, number two, from back in 1943. I'm not covering the entire issue, but instead focusing on the untitled hoppy story referred to as Powerhouse Pete. Most of the credits are unknown, but Pencils and Inks by Chad Grothkopf, and it was published by Fawcett Comics. Hoppy and Millie are taking in the carnival. As they walk through, they come across a barker. A hundred dollar war bond to anybody who can stay in the ring three rounds with Powerhouse Pete. All proceeds go to the war effort. Through a small bit of happenstance and a near-deaf old man, Hoppy ends up volunteering to fight. As Hoppy is dragged off into the dressing room, the onlookers give both congratulations and... Well, let's just say some don't think poor Hoppy will survive. Inside, Hoppy gets shown his opponent and dressed for the match. Too bad when they toss Hoppy his gloves... One slaps him silly and he falls to the floor. When he comes to, Hoppy gets a small pre-fight workout. Too bad the equipment does a better job of working Hoppy over than the other way around. We find out Pete and his cronies are planning to steal the ticket money as soon as the fight is over. Stealing from the war effort? What a dirty crook! As the fight begins, our fighters are announced. Weighing in at 398 pounds, 4 ounces, Powerhouse Pete. And at 23 pounds, 2 ounces, Hoppy the something or other. Hoppy is a frightened mess, but Pete figures it'll be easier than the time he beat up his own grandmother. Wait, what? As the bell rings, Hoppy stands zero chance against Pete. The experienced boxer pummels our poor pathetic pal so thoroughly that he can't even remember his word of power. The crowd boos poor Hoppy, throwing all manner of things into the ring. Luckily for Hoppy, one of the objects is a Captain Marvel comic. Seeing this, Hoppy remembers his magic word. Shazam! And just like that, Hoppy is transformed into Captain Marvel Bunny! Hoppy returns the pummeling he was given earlier and knocks Pete for a loop. About this time, he hears somebody announce that the box office money has been stolen. 
Giving Pete one last good punch, he tells the referee to count while he goes to stop the crooks. Flying to the crooks, Hoppy easily recovers the money, knocks their getaway car into the scrap heap, more help for the war effort, you know, and returns in the nick of time before the third round ends. He returns the stolen money, says his magic word one more time, and timid little Hoppy wins the match. The end. All right, let's take a quick promo break and return with my thoughts. He has been challenged to read all the comics he has collected. This podcast will summarize, review, and reminisce about a single comic book issue and the time period somewhat chronologically by release date. He keeps a stack of comics near his bedside for when the time is right. Who is this interesting comic fan and what is the podcast? Hello, my name is Pat. I don't normally do podcasts about the comic books I read, but when I do, I podcast about them on The Longbox Crusade. Listen to it on iTunes, Stitcher, or on theLongboxCrusade.com, and check out the Facebook page. Read them all, my friends. Welcome back. Okay, so, I gotta admit, I love this story. This is great. You know, the funny animal stories were always around for humor anyway. They were a good set for younger kids as well as adults who just liked a little bit more slapstick. And I gotta be honest, this one doesn't fail. Powerhouse Pete is right up there with Bluto from the Popeye cartoons as far as a villain. Uh, Hoppy, poor timid little Hoppy. He's essentially the uh, 98-pound weakling, except he's, you know, 23-something. The art in this issue is absolutely great it's wonderful 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 for uh, golden age art Fawcett comics did not disappoint uh, hoppy the marvel bunny some of you may not like the concept some of you do personally i love it i don't know why i love it actually i enjoy hoppy more than i enjoy captain carrot and the zoo crew possibly blasphemy for some of you too bad my thoughts are my thoughts the story itself, I'm afraid, is pretty dated with the whole war effort, war bonds, scrap, horribly racist, save scrap and sink the Japs sign that happens to be at the scrapyard. Uh, yeah, that that's probably going to be your major downfalls of this story. But if you can ignore that, I'd say you've got you a pretty entertaining read. Plus, I mean, it's not that many pages. It's not going to set you back a whole huge length of time. Just equate it to watching the old Fleischer Studios productions, Popeye, Superman, Betty Boop, that kind of thing. You're going to have to take them with a grain of salt because of the era they were made in. But if you could take that out, this would hold up even today, I think. It would at least be as good as... You know, many of the Hanna-Barbera-related titles DC is putting out, regardless of how they're updating them for the modern age. So, yeah, I definitely have to say, pick you up some uh, Hoppy the Marvel Bunny stories. I found this one on the online uh, Comics Museum, so it's up there for free. It's, yeah. it's a public domain comic, so you, there's no excuse for not reading it. All right. I'll be back in a little bit with some listener feedback. Greetings, podcast listener. Do you like... Gotcha, man. 
Or maybe... Dragon Flame! How about... Tatsuo Ganido! Or... In the year 1999, an abandoned alien battle fortress crash-landed on the planet Earth. Our most brilliant scientist and engineer spent the next 10 years reconstructing the damaged ship and studying its highly advanced space technology called Robotech. Do you remember... Our Star Blazers! Or this... The year is after Colony 195. As the world constantly changes in the chaotic era, there are two mobile suits that could turn humans into the ultimate weapon. The Wing Zero and the Epion. Or maybe even this. After the desire for blood pools all, the only hope left is the one they call D. Or this. Gene, grappler ships dead ahead! It wouldn't be fun otherwise. Let's do it! Or... If Cardus is allowed to be reborn, she'll destroy Marmo as well as Lodos. Or have you seen the latest episode of... And just like that, everything changed. At that terrible moment, in our hearts, we knew home was a pen. Humanity, cattle. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out Anime Freaks, hosted by Dr. Bill Robinson and me, Gene Hendricks. Anime Freaks is a monthly podcast covering all things anime. It is available at 2TrueFreaks.com and on iTunes under 2TrueFreaks Presents Anime Freaks. Uh, Last episode, we got Twitter favorites and retweets from Andre GV. CL at CL Levitt 92, Trekker Talk, Tim Price, Weasel Skull, aka Jason Albrook, Dallin Baumgarten, Alterna Comics Fan Number One, Joe Crawford, John Marrow, Green Lantern HQ, Rad Adventures, Mordok, that alien guy from Star Trek The Next Generation, Between the Pages, Bob Buster, Herman Lowe, Dan Cunningham, Greg Arujo, Chris Tatos, The Longbox Crusade, Chris at Bat Books for Beginners, Professor Frenzy, also from Bat Books for Beginners, Alan Middleton of the Relatively Geeky Network, Comics in the Golden Age, Longbox of Darkness, Sean AZ, Martin Gray, KB Likes Comics, which is Kyle Benning. On Facebook, we got likes and shares from Mike Peacock, Alan Middleton, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Rad Adventures, Sean Ross, Jerry Green, Michael Lane, Pat Sampson, Al Sedano, Jason Albrick, and Michael Allen Carlisle. We got a little bit of feedback. Uh, over on the website, which is coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com. Martin Gray left us a little bit of feedback on the Triumph episode. He says, it was a triumph of an episode. I didn't follow the character in GL Task I'm sorry, in JL Task Force. So it was good to hear what happened there. 
He also wanted to know if the extra character I was trying to think of was Moon Maiden, which he came back just a tiny bit later and said, no, it was Tomorrow Woman. Uh, Moon Maiden showed up in a in a um, Justice League 80-page giant, I believe, later on. I have that issue, and I kind of wasn't going to cover it, but I might now that I know somebody else actually remembers Moon Maiden. Okay, on the Johnny Quest episode, which was last episode for everybody following along, Darren Sutherland wrote in, and he had a doozy of some feedback, but it's all quality. Darren writes, I thoroughly enjoyed your Johnny Quest episode. I've been a fan of the series my entire life, and it's great hearing friends talk about the series. Both Mark Sweeney and Professor Allen have covered the comics on their podcast, too. The show ran for only a single 26-episode season on primetime during 1964 and 65. However, when it moved to Saturday mornings in the fall of 65, it found a loyal audience, and those 26 episodes ran non-stop on Saturday mornings until 1981. The big shift in the 80s was for animated shows to be syndicated with a 65-episode package so the episodes could be shown daily. So, in 1986, Hanna-Barbera planned to produce 39 additional episodes of Johnny Quest for a 65-episode total. However, the new producers didn't understand the series, and didn't get the format right, and didn't get the characters right. And the plan was abandoned after producing only 13 of the planned 39 episodes. Since those 13 episodes don't match the look and feel of the original series, they aren't even packaged with the original 26 episodes when syndicated or sold on video. However, that same year in 1986, and he corrected me here folks, it's Comico, not Comico, launched their line of Johnny Quest comics, and they got the format and look of the series and characters exactly right. The comics were a big success and ended only because the license became continually more expensive as the comics continued to sell well. All in all, there were 31 issues of the regular series, plus two specials, plus a three-issue Jezebel Jade miniseries, plus a three-issue classic series drawn by Johnny Quest creator Doug Wildly. Or is it Wildy? Wild... I'm sure Darren will correct me, but yeah. Anyway, the Johnny Quest creator. Anyway, Darren continues, I love the comic series so much I actually bought two copies of each issue as they were originally released and still have them all today. Coincidentally, Trekker creator Ron Randall is a fan of Doug, however you say his last name, and Johnny Quest, and he met Doug at a comic convention many years ago and got him to sign one of the classic issues that he drew. Ron himself got to draw a couple of the issues in the 1990s Real Adventures of Johnny Quest series. Personally, I think the original 1960s series is one of the best animated TV series ever. I neither love nor hate the 80s and 90s shows. Both have good episodes and bad episodes, and I try to keep a positive attitude and look for the best things in each version. I do think the best thing about the later versions of the show is the addition of Jesse Bannon. And I'm sure you aren't surprised to learn that we like the addition of a strong female character. 
It is amazing how enduring the series is with a live-action movie currently in development. Hopefully, it will make it to the big screen and bring Johnny Quest back for us all to enjoy. Of course, the recent Future Quest series was quite good as well, and we enjoyed talking to Jeff Parker about that series in the interview we recorded with him for Trekker Talk episode 29. If you're interested in learning more about Johnny Quest, I'm sure you can check out the wonderful website ClassicJQ.com. Well, thank you, Darren, for all that information. It actually was very helpful. Uh, I do encourage everybody to check out all those episodes that he mentioned, as well as ClassicJQ.com. If you have any questions about Johnny Quest, it is pretty much an encyclopedia of Johnny Quest information. And on Twitter, I'm the Gun wrote, Some really great talent on that book. A real highlight of mid-80s independent comics. I couldn't agree with you guys more. That pretty much sums up everything I wanted to say about that Johnny Quest book. So that brings us to a close. This time around, I just want to say thank you everybody for sticking around with me. I hope you have a great holiday. And come back here where the comics are never too old and the coffee is never too cold. This has been a Coffee and Comics production. All material referenced herein is copyright the respective owners and is believed covered under fair use. Feedback can be left by emailing coffeeandcomicspodcast at gmail.com, visiting the website at coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com, or on Twitter at coffeecomicsblg. Thank you.